Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm your best friend, Matt Golden. And this week we are talking about Avengers Infinity War. Yes, uh, get ready because there's going to be absolutely no spoilers. It will be spoiled uh, completely throughout. If you haven't seen the movie, then turn this off and go see it. Although, it'd be weird if you were one of the like three people left who haven't seen it yet. I thought we were just going to talk about the movie poster today. Uh, so I need to go... Give me three hours and I'll be right back, Alex. <laughs> you came really underprepared for this episode. Uh, I just was joshing with you. Uh, I actually watched the movie twice. Yeah, you actually did a great amount of research seeing the movie and then coming over to record immediately afterward for your, after your second viewing. Okay. You're, I, I really did. I just, just got out. And let me tell you a little story. So, like Alex said, fucking spoilers. And I'm going straight to the goddamn end here. Um, so I apologize. We will go right back to the beginning probably. Um, but I was watching this movie and right behind me was this little fucking shithead kid who talked throughout the entire movie. Was this on your first or second viewing? Second viewing. So I didn't care. Okay. So I was, I didn't give a fuck. Uh, I was saying smart alecky comments to everything he said under my breath. Um, it was whatever it was. I don't care. Um, it actually was so bad that the guy right next to me. Mm -hmm moved seats wow and i got a middle spot i went and pre-purchased my ticket even for my second viewing pre-purchased my ticket right in the middle of the theater dead center right in the middle it was fucking perfect and this little ass wipe of a kid (laughs) his dad was there with him it was just the two of them and he wouldn't shut this kid up like he was like oh you should probably be quiet like twice that was it so he made his dad go to the bathroom twice during the movie and i was like sure cool whatever but my favorite fucking part was this dad was so amped. The second time was right at the end of the movie when everybody starts fucking dying after Thanos snaps his fingers. So he missed like half of the deaths that came through. Oh, God. It was the best. I was like, fuck you. You deserve this. You yeah, deserve I didn't even think about that. Like if you're like taking like a little kid. That they yeah. will need to use the bathroom during the movie. There's no way to escape. Twice. Yeah. And his dad was just, he was pleading with him. He's like, it's almost over. <laughs> I, I could hear him. Like, I could hear the desperation in this poor man's voice. Fuck you. He'll remember that in his will. Yeah. I hope so. It's Whenever I went and saw it, uh, the people next to me, it was this guy and this girl. And the guy, anytime a character appeared on screen, he would go to the person that he was with. And he's like, that's Thor. That's Iron Man. Oh, my God. That's Groot. Yeah, thanks for letting her know that that's Groot, because Groot wouldn't make that clear to anyone real soon. <laughs> this little kid did some similar shit to that. Every time somebody came on for the first time, he's like, that's that's Thanos' ship. Like, right at the start, that's Thanos' ship. Yeah, we know. Fuck you, dude. Okay. But Enough about that. Yeah, I guess we'll talk <laughs> more about the movie than the people. So, I guess let's get off with the first part, because it yeah. starts huge. So what do you think of the opening? The opening basically opens with we see remnants of the ship where we last left Thor, Loki, Heimdall, uh, and Hulk, and Korg, and Valkyrie uh, at the ending of Thor Ragnarok. But it's been destroyed. There's bodies all over the floor. And we see Thanos and members of the Black Order 
uh, what was that song by Drowning Pool playing in the background? Let the body set the floor. <laughs> pretty sure it was playing throughout that. Marvel has taste. I'm pretty sure they never let that happen. <laughs> it was happening when it happened. Just in I'm your saying. head. Yeah, I was playing it. Uh, actually, on my on my phone <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah, and that kid was a problem. <laughs> it was the second time. Like I said, I didn't care. So what? Um, I knew that Heimdall was going to die because there was like a bunch of spoilers about Thor holding his sword and everyone was like, Heimdall's going to die. I was like, probably immediately. And I called that shit. Uh, this whole movie, let me just say that I was rooting for Thanos. Like <laughs> I was not rooting for one Avenger for one second. It was the Thanos show for me. So I loved the beginning of it. He goes and kills him and then turns around and, and kills Loki. And I think one of the great things about like what shows how clever Marvel is, is and they there's two moments that I remember from the trailer, but that shows how great their marketing team is because in the trailer it makes it seem like Loki is betraying Thor, yeah, uh, and about to side with Thanos and bring Thanos to Earth. But w- what we saw happening was it was all it was a red herring, and Thanos tried to take out or Loki tried to take out Thanos only to see his own life ended right in front of his brother. But also, we also got to see Loki mutter the line, "We have a Hulk," which is a callback to Avengers whenever Hulk yep. beat the crap out of Loki. Uh, but it was nice because Thanos, an underpowered Thanos, just beats the crap out of the Hulk. And I thought it was a, a brilliant way to start the movie because you see Thanos basically destroying and taking out the two strongest Avengers with ease. Like, it, like it was no nothing, problem. Yeah, With only one stone, too. Yeah, with only one stone. And he didn't break a sweat fighting the Hulk uh, in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, and let me tell you that Kevin Feige made a promise uh, when asked about Thanos's might and power and he said within the first five minutes you'll know <laughs> yeah, and, and he fucking yeah. delivered he delivered he beats the shit out of Hulk he kills two characters that are staples throughout yeah. several movies including a, a villain of a, several movies yeah he ba- he kills basically at that point what's been arguably uh, the best uh, Marvel villain in the movies so far like it was nothing yeah and then he just leaves Thor to die. Yeah. Actually, uh, no, he doesn't. No. No, <clears throat> but Thor actually gets Hulk to escape to Earth, which, of course... Now, that was Heimdall. To, oh, that with, was Heimdall, with yeah, With his yeah, last yeah. breath, yeah. gets the wuss-ass Hulk back to Earth. We don't see Hulk again at all. <laughs> we see Mark Ruffalo, but we don't see the Hulk. But I think that plays a part of the conflict, and throughout the movie... uh Bruce Banner's trying to bring the Hulk back to fight, and you see like the Hulk's face like pop up over his, and then fade away. And Brand doesn't know what, know what's wrong, but obviously that conflict will carry over into the second or Infinity War, whatever ends up being called. But I think it plays into the Hulk's ego of that for he learned for a time that he was not the strongest one there is. Uh, it was fucking awesome to have to see Thor get his right after that that badass thing that was yeah. Ragnarok, the Hulk and Thor. Both shut the fuck up, which I love Ragnarok. It might be my favorite Marvel movie. I I go back and forth. Actually, I take that back. I think this one is not, you know, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. I love this shit. But think about this movie has great pacing. Like everything moves fast. Like there's never like, oh, a, yeah, a breathing. Like there's times there's great moments of comedy. But whenever Banner gets plunged to Earth, he meets up with Tony and they go find the wizard. Yeah, that that part was pretty yeah. pretty funny. So speaking of the pacing, though, real fast. First time I saw it, 
I had to pee like the whole second half. So it didn't seem that fast to me. The second time I saw it, it flew by like a snap of my fucking fingers. It went by so fast because it's constantly moving. And I made sure that I didn't drink an entire gallon of Dr. Pepper. So I was good to go. Way to learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I really yeah. did. And I was shocked by how fast it, it moved and the, the pace was. Because like, oh yeah, that part. Oh yeah, this part. Oh yeah, that part. So I think we're going to have to like kind of skip around a little bit because yeah. there's just so much to talk about. And I want to get into also what we think is going to happen next time later on. Um, I do want to say that I really did enjoy that first fight with uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Wong, uh, and eventually Spider-Man versus Ebony Maw. And well, he's Black Dwarf in the comics, but in the films, he's Cole Obsidian, part of the Black Order. Uh huh. But I enjoyed it because one, it, it showed how powerful Doctor Strange can be, but also how deadly Thanos's henchmen are. Because uh, if you're gonna pledge your loyalty to Thanos, Thanos isn't gonna have any weakling in his servitude. What did you say? It was Corvus Glaive. Uh, no, that was Ebony Maw and uh, Black Dwarf. Black Dwarf, but yeah. in the movies, he's Cole Obsidian. Yeah, oh, that's stupid. I mean, yeah. Obsidian Black, oh, whatever. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, part of me thinks it's because, like, well, they have Black Panther already, uh, so they don't want to make any more confusion with it. And also, Black Dwarf just kind of sounds funny, even though it is the name of uh, something in space. Yeah. So, so what? It's massive. Okay. <laughs> Getting off subject again. <laughs> that's a badass fight sequence with lots of funny parts where you get reintroduced to Mr. Peter Parker. Who's wearing an, an absolutely amazing shirt that says "Lettuce tastes like disappointment," <laughs> and it also that's what propels Doctor Strange's Iron Man's and Peter Parker's story because Strange gets captured because he has the Mind Stone uh, as Eye of Ashanti, and so Tony Stark and Peter Parker end up pitching a ride on Ebony Moss' ship. Yep, and then. From there, I think we go to the Guardians. Yes. Uh, we keep the comedy going with the funny scene with them finding Thor. And it's a great introduction because it gets introduced through music, which you've come used to. And just yeah. we see the ship in space with just the words on screen, space, yeah. thrown up. So it, it, it it's that tone that we come to expect from Guardians films. Yeah. And let me tell you, that tone does not stay very long afterwards. No. It dissipates pretty much immediately after this. But that does have some of the greatest comedic moments ever uh, in the movie. Oh, yeah. Whenever, especially when Peter Quill tries to, he's intimidated by Thor's presence and his bulk and his manliness until he tries to talk in a deeper register. <laughs> and they call him out on it immediately yeah. and every single one of the Guardians does. Drax describes him, uh, describes Thor as a pirate angel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was he's referred to that by uh, Rocket as well later yeah. on when they're leaving together. Yeah. Some, some great, great parts uh, describing Thor and describing... Uh, Star uh, Star Lord as uh, Starquill. That's his yeah. name. Uh, as one sandwich away from fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, solid, solid jokes, jokes for days. But that's also too, and it just whenever they talk about like their background about how he ha or how Star Lord had to basically like kill his dad and Thor was like <laughs> and Thor list all of his family members that died or, or that he had to kill. Just back to back to back to back. Peter tells him, well, I've got both my eyes still, yeah. so. <laughs> is Star... Okay, quick question. Is Star-Lord the greatest character that's ever lived? No. Okay. 
I'm no follow up. <laughs> He's not even the greatest guardian. What? Yeah. Okay. Give me your greatest guardian. Well, there's Groot. And Number there's, one. And there's Drax. Number two. And then there's Rocket. Number oh wow, you got you got Peter way low. And then there's Yondu. <laughs> Everybody needs to write. And then into there's the show. Starhawk from the comics. <laughs> and tell Alex how absolutely fucking wrong he is. And tell Although, him how stupid those in this new I, haircut. I do like Star Lord. Because in the comics, Star-Lord was in a ska band, and there's also an issue where he sings Super Rad by the Aquabats. So because of that, Star-Lord will actually always be the number one Guardian. As long as that stays canon, Marvel, if you ever <laughs> remove his ska from his canon, we are done. He's clearly not in a ska band. He only likes the 80s music, dude. Yeah, I, I need to talk to James Gunn about that. <laughs> I need to show him those issues. Listen, James, like I'm, I love your stuff, but if you don't do this for me... I'm done. He's in a ska band in Denver. Okay. Probably play shows with Five Iron Frenzy. Make that in Guardians 3. Nope. God damn it. Alex, you found another way to make a fucking shitty ska reference. Once again, this podcast is done. This is the last one. Okay. That's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a shitty ska reference. <laughs> uh, moving on, because we really need to stop talking about ska music right now. Because these half the people listening have no idea what that is. So, Alex... Tell me something that you uh, hated from this first, because we're about a third of the way through the movie at this point, maybe, or a quarter of the way. Tell me something that you did not like from this first bit. No Korg. No Korg. That's uh, that's a fair point. All I want is more Korg in my life. Now, I understand it's probably, they're probably one that have not like in the script, but it's probably also difficult to get Taika Waititi um, to reprise the character when he's probably doing post-production. Or press for Thor and working on his next film. So yeah. I'm hoping he shows up next one. But also, one thing, a real criticism was even though there's so many like heroes come at the 11th hour and make this big grand entrance, which I loved all of those, but the one that kind of bugged me was whenever Captain America, Vision, and Black Widow show up in Edinburgh to help save Vision and Scarlet Witch. From uh, what was it, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive? And Cor- yep, both. Yeah. From both of them. And I want to be like, wait, how did they get there? Like, last I remember in Civil War, they were all in a lot of trouble and couldn't really just come out and play. Uh, and they were aboard the raft last I saw. So. Uh, the one thing that I don't like is Vision just seems like a wuss, like the first half of this movie. Yeah. I know he got stabbed and he can't yeah. phase anymore. But, like, he comes through in a big way later, but, like, really? Like, yeah. he's just nothing. That's, I mean, I, I feel like the Russos had to do that just for logic reasons. Because Vision is incredibly powerful, one of the most powerful Avengers, but mostly due to his ability to phase and change his density from uh, rock hard to nothing but air. But if you have a character that cannot take damage at all or ever get hurt, <laughs> it really makes it no threat existent. Yeah, I mean, I get that. That's just my only beef is that yeah. he's he's just such a powerful person to just be taken down. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing. I, I felt like it was just... necessary just to move the story forward yeah um my least favorite part is the fact that there weren't more aliens references (laughs) there was only like two right there at the beginning well i want to know whenever they were in edinburgh there was a sign for a deep fried kebab did they try the deep fried kebab well they obviously went there afterwards because anybody would be a psychopath if they did not go into the deep fried kebab shop trust me i know i've had kebabs in edinburgh true story Oh, have you really? I nice. actually have, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, science. That's not science. Travel. <laughs> Boy, I do not know what kind of public education you got. <laughs> <laughs> not a good one. Uh, luckily, I wasn't here in Oklahoma, so I got a, I got a pretty solid one. So, <laughs> um, what do you think of the Black Order in general? We have Corpus Glaive. There, there's a fifth member in the comic, Supergiant, but they uh, did include her in the films. Let me say that Ebony Maw is my absolute favorite from the Black Order, and he died pretty much yeah. immediately. So I was, I was yeah. a little butthurt by that. I was also butthurt that not a single member of the Black Order took out one person, not even a fucking Falcon, not even anybody of any relevance. You've got this big badass group of four, and they can't take down one person. That was my biggest grief with the Black Order. Give me one. Yeah. Even if it's two on one, like give me something. We still have two alive confirmed. Uh, maybe three because Proxima Midnight uh, didn't die, as far as I can recall. Or no, did she die? Cause she got beat up by Black Widow, Scarlet Witch. She got like shredded by yeah. that thing, and her blood was all over. Okay, her. and she was she was the only uh, actor that I recognized from the Black Order members. That was Carrie Coon, uh, yes. who was in Fargo. Uh, Corvus Glaive got stabbed by Vision at the end. Um, Black Dwarf got uh, rocketed into space and blown up by the Hulkbuster yeah, arm. Yeah, but part of me think that he, he could survive that. He was being torn to shreds in front of your face on I the wall of Wakanda. Okay, you're. <laughs> if you think that <laughs> he survived, there's Black no Dwarf, reason why Loki's Black not Dwarf alive. is the comic version. It's Cole Obsidian. <laughs> God damn you! God damn you! Maybe Super Giant will come back in this next one. Uh, but. One thing I did like with the Black Order, I did really enjoy Prox Midnight's little miniature monologue about how they were going to pay for what they did to Corvus Glaive whenever they first arrived uh, at Wakanda. I was like, oh, Corvus Glaive died from the attack by Cap, Black Widow, and Falcon, the damage that he induced. But then he appears flanking everyone to attack Vision and Shuri uh, whenever they were expecting it. I was like, that, that to me was a nice twist I didn't see coming. Quick question. We're skipping way, way ahead here, <laughs> but that's that's fine. That's fine. We can always go back and get more stuff. Uh, Shuri, is she alive or dead? Because I, it was very, very muddled. She got knocked by yeah. Corvus Glaive, wasn't it? She got yes. knocked to the side, and the last thing that you see of her is she's just face down in the Wakandan uh, science lab. Uh, I'm sure she's the alive. only one they have in, in Wakanda, the yeah. one science lab. Because I'm sure they will use her as her connect as the connection to Wakanda. Uh, for the second one. That's what I was thinking. Like, there's going to be some kind of technology that goes through. But she doesn't necessarily have to be there because uh, Warrior Badass is still alive. Yeah. I can't remember her name. Neither can I. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so we'll go back to, to storytelling time. We've got uh, Thor on the planet with my boy Tyrion Lannister, who I talk about all the time on this podcast. He's my favorite superhero. Yeah. It was great to see them go to Niddle Farvel. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the home of the doors, and to to create a, a new Majolner for Thor, a new weapon, facially a new hammer. Oh, what's it called too? What's that fucking axe called? What Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Um, Rocket has a great joke, the little over the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the plan's been destroyed by Thanos already, and he left Black Do- or he left uh, Peter Dinklage's character alive, who is a dwarf, but he's larger than all of them. Yeah, uh, which I, I thought was a a great touch, but his hands have been destroyed, so he can't forge weapons. But Thor, uh, basically, with Thor's determination and 
metal with uh well he tells him it's gonna be fucking suicide to go and make this weapon and of course it's not fucking suicide it's just another walk in the park for thor who recovers quite strongly here in a little bit let's backtrack some more because we're skipping over one of the most powerful deaths and moments of the the film we really get it in this in this movie and the best cameo in the film too what what yeah enlighten whenever they go to get the soul stone uh, they're greeted by oh, someone yeah, dressed yeah, yeah. as death. And Thanos in the comics has a very personal relationship with death. And like it's the personification of death, uh, just like Deadpool does as readers. And there's even a series with Thanos and Deadpool that basically focuses on their relationship with death. But we see death, and then as we get zoomed in, it's the Red Skull, which I thought was uh, really cool and very big surprise I had not seen coming. I was going to go back a little further and talk about how Thanos is... Um, not really a mad titan in this. He's very methodical. He's very calculated. While he is cold, he also is is very clearly very feeling. Yes. Um, he, he's always been a planner. Like more people might say he's mad sure. because he wants to kill half of every living thing in the universe. But he makes it sound really appealing. Like if you had that power <laughs> to make every hunger and everything go away for and all illness and everything for everybody ever for the rest of time, just by snapping your fingers and painlessly killing half of everybody he makes it sound really good he makes it sound really appealing are you saying Thanos for president uh yeah i mean he's got my vote in 2018 i mean i'll take that risk i'll take that dice roll <laughs> uh <coughs> but you get to you get gamora's backstory of when thanos yeah. got her and then you get the inevitable downfall of gamora as she is thrown over the side of a cliff so Thanos can obtain the Soul Stone. And it is extremely emotional because it's kind of one of the first big unforeseen deaths. It's also emotional, too, because we not only through the flashback, we see how much he cares for Gamora. But when Gamora is captured by Thanos, she's, he's taken aboard Gamora's ship. And we see Nebula there who's being tortured and literally pulled yeah. apart by Thanos. And Nebula is, of course, Thanos' other daughter. And it shows how differently he treats his two daughters. Yeah. Which shows that he truly cares and has emotions for her that he hasn't felt or hasn't shown for anyone else well red skull when he is on this planet about to get the soul stone says that you have to sacrifice something that you love so possibly the only thing in the world that thanos loves is gamora and the only way for him to get peace and to know that he is in his mind saved the universe is to throw this bitch over yeah and we see gamora's lifeless body at the bottom yeah, of the pit, blood, in, in green blood, blood yeah, eking out of her head. head. Yeah, so she did. No yeah. She's so dead. Oh my god, I can't believe how dead she is. So I was talking to you earlier, and you had a very, very interesting concept. So fast forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 2020. Alex, what is Guardians of the Galaxy 3 about if you're predicting right now? I think Guardians will be about the search for Gamora, basically trying to bring her back uh through the use of the soul stone or the soul stone or making another sacrifice for the soul stone this to restore her body. I had not thought about I haven't keep keep in mind I haven't read much of the aftermath of the Infinity War stuff. I read most of the Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet stuff, but I haven't read the aftermath stuff. So this seems like an excellent way in my mind to be able to bring somebody huge back. Because conceivably most of these people that died with the snap of Thanos's fingers, which we'll we'll get into later, uh are coming back. They're all coming back for the most part. And real quick to of note, uh, for a rare, uh, rare occurrence, 
Red Skull was not Red Skull was not played by Hugo Weaving like he was in the first Captain America movie. He was replaced. It was by the account of the actor's name, but it's the guy that plays Aaron in The Walking Dead. But I thought he did a really good job, and I thought it was Hugo Weaving until I later read the credits and saw that it was someone else. He did an excellent impersonation of that initial performance of Red Skull. Not as much as a megalomaniac, but obviously uh, more tampered down since he's dead at this point. I, w- I didn't realize it until I was reading this thing about um, Easter eggs and things that you didn't know about the movie. And I was like, oh, shit, that's that other guy. That's not him at all. Uh, and the other interesting fact, and I use the word interesting very sarcastically, was that the car that Nick Fury was driving in the post credit scene was an Audi QX150. <laughs> that was one of the actual Easter eggs was the fact that this car was some bullshit Audi. Uh, who did you see who was a part of the collector's collection? I did. Tobias Funke. Yes. Yeah. I actually looked for it during my second watching today. Didn't see it. Oh, really? Did not see it. Yeah. I, I was searching for it. The This is also the second Arrested Development series in the Marvel movies because the Blues family staircase was also in the airport fight scene during Civil War. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Because the Russo directed, also directed some episodes of Arrested Development. Yes. My my buddy was telling me about that today. I actually didn't even know about that, and he went and showed me all the shit, and I was like, oh, it's fucking awesome. Russo's incredible. Jeffrey Tambor, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Robbing me of possibly more Arrested Development. We should also note, like, we've mentioned so many characters already, but there were some notable absences uh, from the film. Uh, not that surprisingly, but... None of the TV show characters made an appearance. No one from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., any of the Netflix shows, or Runaways made any sort of note or appearance. But Ant-Man and Hawkeye also were notably, yes. noticeably missing, but the, their, missing, their absences were explained away. And yeah. potentially, we'll see some Hawkeye in the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Possibly. It's going to be... Uh, and I, I understand like why... Uh, I read why they didn't include Ant-Man. is because Ant-Man and the Wasp is the next sequel. And that's going to have a more lighter tone. So it'd be hard to have Scott go through all the horrors of Infinity War <laughs> and then and then transfer to a movie where they're throwing in large uh, Hello Kitty Pez dispensers at someone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let the guy get a breather for a minute. Yeah, shit. And I do hope, though, that Clint and Scott both end up showing up in the Infinity War sequel. I'm sure they both will if they're both alive. I saw some meme of where it just said where Hawkeye was during Infinity War and it was just him disappearing. <laughs> what did he, well they didn't say that like they both uh they both took uh pardons with the Sokovo core papers because they had families. Wouldn't it be just a cruel twist of fate if all their families just disappeared? <laughs> if just their families <laughs> died like they lived but their whole families were dead, that'd be great. Uh yeah, we're slightly fucked up or whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Moving on, um so one of the biggest parts of this movie is obviously Gamora dying and the way that that affects one Peter Quill. Uh, we go to a jumping up to a fight sequence towards the end of the movie between Thanos uh, versus Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Peter Quill, Drax, uh, Mantis, Mantis, Nebula. and Nebula shows up at the eleventh hour, sort of. Mm-hmm. They about get the glove off. Matter of fact, they do get the glove off. But Peter finds out that... Uh, Peter Quill, not Peter Parker. Yeah, Peter... Yeah, uh, Are you sure? They both find out. <laughs> That's true. The Peters find no, out. No, because Parker has no idea who, who Gamora is. Uh, the Peters find out... Why is Gamora? <laughs> I'll do you one better. Uh, 
Are we using our, uh, oh, we're using our real name, yeah. our fake names? Sorry. <laughs> Jokes from the movie. If you've seen it, you will yeah. not laugh, but you'll know what we're talking about. They get the glove off of Thanos to the, like, to his fingertips when Peter Cool starts beating the shit out of Thanos because he finds out that he killed Gamora and he is overtaken with the emotion. So I take back everything I said. Star Lord is the worst Guardian of the Galaxy because he caused the death of trillions yeah. of people. <laughs> Technically, everything is Star-Lord's fault. Yeah, I mean, I put it all on him. <laughs> now, and this is, and before this too, we see, this is kind of, like, I think it'll be important, but we see Doctor Strange's head going crazy, looking about a billion directions in a minute as he's meditating and levitating yeah, in the air. this is a big, big um, And it's because he's, he looked at 11 million uh, realities of them facing Thanos. Fourteen million six hundred and thirty-six, and and all of them, they only win in one that he saw. Yeah, so conceivably, this is why he ends up just giving away the time stone. Yeah, to we should, my boy. Yeah, we should slow down a little bit because essentially, what happens is on the planet Thanos is about to kill Tony Stark. Oh uh, uh, yeah, and he or bargains. on Titan, it's on Titan, which is yeah. Thanos' home planet. He bargains uh, Tony Stark's life for the time stone. For the time stone, and that is his fifth stone. I think we should back up a second and talk about how he got. Uh, what was it? Oh, the reality stone. I guess we kind of talked about that a little. That's yeah. where he captures Gamora. I know that we're skipping around. Fuck it, we're gonna skip over that. <laughs> not important. Not important. He got the reality stone at some yeah. point. Moving forward. But, and so, and Stephen Strange never explains, like, I mean, to Stephen Strange, he just says, it was the only way, and like you assume, he's saying it was the only way to spare Tony's life, but also, it might have been, because that was the only reality in which he saw them winning, was he knew that Thanos had the time stone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I mean, obviously, we've got another Avengers movie coming. In less than a year now. And I will say, too, that was a really nice moment because uh, Tony and Stephen Strange had butted head throughout the entire movie before that, too. So it was nice to see that even though they were odds with one another, that Stephen still made one of the ultimate sacrifices to spare Tony's, to spare Tony's life. I would argue slightly against that just because... Did he though? Like he knew that was the only way to save the world. He wasn't making a sacrifice for Tony necessarily. Well, we we don't know because it wasn't spelled out. But yeah. we just assume. We assume. Uh, but you, also, you too, basically said you said that you said yeah. he doesn't care about him. Yeah. Putting that on paper. But before that, we kind of skipped over this too. It's whenever we see everyone on Titan die, basically. Oh yeah. Um, well, this movie's two and a half hours long. Fuck you if yeah. you expect us to go just straight in order and talk about every last thing. Fuck you. But please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you can find it on <laughs> iTunes. But that's when we see basically all the guardians on Titan die, and we see Spider Man die. And Spider Man, as we as he's slowly fading away, slowly walks over to Tony Stark's arms and calls him sir and talks about how he's not ready to go, how he's not ready to die. Oh, I was yeah. gonna make a joke about that earlier. But God damn it! Tom Holland's performance was top notch there, and it was incredibly emotional. And it reminded me, spoilers for. Doctor Who, when David Tennant was a doctor. Uh, <laughs> Spoilers for 10 years ago, everybody. <laughs> but it it did remind me of that moment whenever the 10th Doctor dies, and he's looking at Rose, and he says, I'm not ready to go. 
And it, it's very much like that same performance, like the same emotional impact of someone who knows that they're dying and can't and, and can't handle it and what would do anything to make it not happen. That was incredibly, incredibly sad. And it was improv, we have found out yeah. as of recently. I think Tom Holland just jerked off and told everybody, oh, that was all me, baby. I don't think that's how it actually happened. Though. No, because I'm pretty sure it was the Russos who said it was improvised. <laughs> they were the ones jerking him off. Sorry. My apologies. Um, continuing on, we've got, we already told you about the Thor storyline. He gets an axe. Cool. He comes in at the 11th uh, hour he gets again. Stormbreaker, which <clears throat> is in the comics, Beta Ray Bill's uh, version of Majolner. They did make it look a little bit different, though. It looks more like the Majolnir that's used in the Ultimate Comics universe. There you go. There you uh, have so it, ladies Thor's and gentlemen. costume, too. That, that is the end of the movie, and it's all done now. Oh, wait. Alex is telling me there's more that happened. I walked out early. I don't know. But we do see Thor come flying in, and it, it gives you that great moment to remind you like what a badass Thor is. Oh, like, yeah, because Captain America is getting his ass handed to him. Black Panther's getting fucked up. Hulk is getting his shit tossed in. And to be fair, it's Hulk, it's Bruce Banner in a Hulkbuster costume. Yeah. Which, again, is the other thing that's different from the trailer. In that we see the battle scene of all the heroes in the field of Wakanda chasing towards the enemy. And it's Hulk. It's not uh, a Hulkbuster costume. So really? I was gonna, yeah, that's another misdirection that they put in the trailer. Oh. Well, fuck me sideways. Don't, actually. Don't <laughs> do that. Um yeah, it was a it was a badass battle sequence, and Thor comes in and just lays into everybody. And at this point, they're like, "Well, we got to go save Vision because Vision's a, a worthless piece of shit in this movie." Vision has the last remaining stone in his head. Yep, and they're desperately trying to essentially copy Vision over and make sure that his soul stays intact, uh, so they can remove the stone safely and try and destroy it because Scarlet Witch would be able to destroy it. Spoiler alert. He doesn't make it out of this son of a bitch alive. Spoiler alert: Scarlet Witch does destroy the stone, killing Vision in the process. Oh yeah, was that not fucking gut wrenching? Yeah, because the whole time I you you know that he's going to get brought back. You know that she's just killing him for the whole fucking sake of it. And guess what? He does. She rips out her fucking heart and throws it at Thanos by killing her man, and then he. With the twist of his hand, brings him right the fuck back to life. And then tears the sound out of his head. And tears the goddamn stone Leading out of his Vision's head. lifeless body, all the color yeah. drained from him, which is this gray android at that point. At this point, Thanos has easily cast aside every single Avenger other than Scarlet Witch, and she holds him off for a time. Oh, every Avenger but one. I will say, there, there was that cool moment with Captain America briefly holding his own against Thanos, but look, it was more like sheer will from Steve Rogers than it was just Mike. It was will and I think it was respect from Thanos. Like, this yeah. guy's given fucking a lot for just a puny little bitch. Uh, so he just punches Captain America in the <laughs> face and he's done. But that was like a heavy hit too. Like, like you felt that hit. It yeah. Was, it was solid. I was like, it was a hit. I was like, that's a hit that could kill Captain America. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish it did. <laughs> like I said, I wish for death so many times in this movie, and I'm about to be satisfied. So he gets through Scarlet Witch, he gets the last stone, and then Thor comes in and is like, uh-uh, not today, bitch. Throws his mighty Mjolnir. Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Mjolnir slash Stormbreaker. Hayward Bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
right into the chest of Thanos and pushes it in. And Thanos is definitely in some discomfort. It is deep in his chest. And he whispers to Thor, you should have gone for the head. And then snaps his goddamn fingers. Yeah, it was a powerful moment right there. And then essentially... Thanos, my dick was so hard. Oh Thanos gets the last stone, snaps his fingers, and then just like we saw in Titan, uh, we see half of everyone die, and we see people that we didn't expect to die. Oh, my friend, I've got a list for you. Okay. I've got a beautiful, beautiful list. After he kills uh, Vision, snaps his fingers, we first get the death of the beautiful, hunk-headed Winter Soldier. Falls apart. Calling Steve Rogers' name. Oh, so good. Next, after that, we jump to, if I'm not mistaken, the death of either Groot or Black Panther. Groot dies very, very tenderly with Rocket right there. Gut aching, gut wrenching. Black Panther dies saying, this is no place to die. Yeah, Black Panther dies trying to save someone else. Oh, it was great. It was so good. I love that shit. Then we get the death of uh, my boy Falcon. Yeah. Uh, and again, another sad moment because you see War Machine James Road calling out his name whenever he's already gone. I prefer to call him not Terrence Howard. Very clearly <laughs> not comic book name. <laughs> yep. I think that's what he's called in the comic books. Then we jump back to the planet with Tony Stark. We see Manish fall to pieces. We see Drax fall to pieces. Peter Quill fall to pieces. And then uh, I think Doctor Strange is next. And then followed by the sweet, sweet Spider-Man. Don't let him take me, mister. Please, yeah. please no. And he, oh, the, the worst part is he says, sorry. He fucking yeah. says, sorry. And you can just feel Tony Stark's heartbreak. And it's so juicy. And, and you good. see all this defeat. And then Thanos is just gone. And Earth is left. Yep. in the wake and it has I think I don't know how you feel about it but I loved the closing shot we see Thanos by himself on a planet taking a seat taking a moment to rest and then just a smile on his face yeah oh and you can tell he's very visibly beat the fuck up but he did what he thought was right yeah and I will say through all the CGI and all the prosthetics, I thought Josh Brolin did a fantastic job See, as Thanos. Here's my biggest complaint about the whole thing is it shouldn't have been Josh Brolin ever. It should have been Patrick Warburton <laughs> being just goofy Patrick Warburton. I know you like the in-person crew, but that's not a reason to cast him <laughs> in everything. Uh, I was going more off of uh, the Venture Brothers. <laughs> I was hoping he'd play that character. You just want Brock Samson and everything? Brock Samson yeah. is the goddamn man. Um so I think this is arguably the greatest film, uh, greatest collection of uh, <laughs> gigantic A-list movie stars since the yeah, Expendables. Yeah, I'm thinking about that too. It's w- what they were able to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's no Expendables. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But what they're able to accomplish with all these A-list stars, but also some people who are really damn fine actors too. It's also uh, not the Expendables too. No, or Expendables three. Keep on expending. <laughs> But I thought it was incredible what the Russos and Disney and Marvel were able to accomplish, bringing all these people together for this film and then having to do it all over again. Although, very smart of them. Easiest way to cut the budget for the sequel, kill almost everyone. Oh, yeah. You don't have to bring everybody back if you don't fucking want to. Uh, Oh, you want a lot of money? Well, fuck you. You're written out of Marvel, bitch. Okay. 
what do you think is going to be happening and well, what are you hoping is going to happen? We didn't talk about the post-credit scene. There's only one oh, for yeah. this film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More people die. Maria Hill yeah. and Nick Fury. We see Maria Hill, who haven't seen him forever. And we see Nick Fury, who yes. also haven't seen. They're dead. And forever. And then. Driving his Audi. Yeah. <laughs> and then they die. But Nick Fury, of course, being Fury, he wrote something that's wrong. He has a contingency for everything, even a, a unforeseeable situation. So he pulls out his sweet beeper. Yeah. But. And he, and he presses it as he fades away. And then we see a symbol on the ground. a symbol for Captain Marvel. Of course, the beeper is also referenced to the fact that the movie Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s. So it's a callback to that, too. It's a callback to something we haven't seen yet. So to answer your question, I think Captain Marvel will be in the sequel. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Another big person who is going to be in this, in my opinion, that has not uh, surfaced yet. We've never seen this person yet. I'm excited to see who gets casted in this one because I don't think it's been announced. Uh, Adam Warlock is going to come in. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be in it or not. Uh, he'll be in Guardians 3, most likely. Oh, he'll I don't definitely know. be in Guardians 3, but you imagine he comes into the, yeah, the, I mean, the play here. I mean, Adam Warlock is involved in almost every single Thanos storyline in the comics at some every point. Every last fucking one. So, so it, I, I don't see a version where they skip out on that, because they, yeah. they do a lot of the comic book shit. Like, I can't imagine he's not in it. Maybe he's not. Yeah, Maybe. the only reason I can't see them doing it is if they want to keep like the smaller team being the one that end up defeating Thanos. But but we'll see. But it could also be Adam Warlock's ability that end up, that they that leads them to bringing most everyone back. Too. Do you see any Celestials coming through in this one? No, I I think uh, that's too much for this film. But I think they might get introduced like in a Guardians film, or if they ever make a Nova film, anything like that at some point. I mean, we might even see it in this Captain Marvel movie. We might see that's true. I mean, we're going to see Ronan's going to be back. Agent Coulson's going to be back. Uh, Marvell's in the film. Oh, is it going to be uh, Hawkeye as Ronan? No, this is Ronan the Accuser, uh, the Kree, uh, essential, essentially judge uh, from the first Guardians film, played by Lee Pace. Oh, he, has he been confirmed? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, and Jude Law's Marvell in it, so they've got a pretty solid cast for its next one. God damn. I did not know that Jude Law was going to be Mar- That's fucking... How did I miss these announcements? I don't know. I missed a lot of shit. Um, so, if you could have any character that's already been in the Marvel Universe that hasn't, uh, that wasn't in Infinity War, who would you like to see come to the film? Or to the sequel? Um, the Wizard from <laughs> episode one of Jessica <laughs> Jones. Jones. That'd be the boldest thing ever. <laughs> He needs to come in and kill Thanos at the last second. Let me just say real quick. I mean, to be fair, Thanos is terrifying. He could he could probably <laughs> run backwards in time and stop all this from happening. He really good. He could save the fucking day. Uh, Thanos is undisputably the greatest villain that has ever happened in a in a superhero film. I mean, this is Thanos. Debate film. me on this. No. <laughs> uh, the closest is Loki, like I mentioned earlier, and then Killmonger. I would say for the films, uh, I still think. Kilgrave and Wilson Fisk from the TV shows are better, but that's not taking anything away from Thanos. Thanos was spectacular. What you got against the uh, the DC villains, man? <laughs> what villains? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Solid point. Uh, what do you um? So, I'm, well, I would like to see Daredevil in the film. That'll never happen in a billion years, but I, I do hope that Ant Man gets brought in uh, for hey, a more realistic answer. I hope he just gets really, really, really big <laughs> and just crushes Thanos. And that's the end of it. <laughs> the end. He's like, that one should have been gone when I snapped my fingers. He's like, why don't you guys oh, give me a Oh, what a cool call? twist of fate. 
It's like, you guys know that I'm like a super rich guy now because I'm dating this hottie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how wealth works. <laughs> Wait, you don't just like get a super hot girlfriend and they don't give you all their money? So what do you rate the film on a scale of one to ten? Uh, this is easily one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, easily top four, probably top three if I were to try and cut a Guardians movie out of there. So I would say it's a solid eight and a half. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, I think what they accomplished, I thought it was incredible. The scale is insane. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this movie that's breaking all sorts of records. I give it a nine. I'm sorry. I give it a nine. Nine. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this year's Oscar announcements <laughs> when they get nominated for best makeup and then lose that <laughs> to some period of peace. <clears throat> what do you think of Josh Brolin's chin in this movie? It was impressive. Scale of one to 10. <laughs> I like that they made fun of the chin like early. <laughs> they had Rocket make fun of it or it was Peter to make fun of it. Uh, just that way they, they got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a nice way to diffuse any potential absurdity with it. And then it was just part of the character. All right. I'm going to go jump to the end of, uh, infinity war two or potentially Avengers in, uh, end game. As we hear from, uh, Dr. Strange towards the end of the film, there's some, some guesses that that's the, the title. Uh, do you think Thanos survives the second movie? No, I mean, but Thanos dies all the time and, and comes, comes back, back regardless. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, I don't think he'd come back if he dies, though. Honestly, like they're they're moving forward, they're moving on. There's gonna be. I know that there were obviously like fifteen big fucking deaths in this movie. Yeah, I don't think they're all permanent. I think we get some additional ones, and I think some people do stay dead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's just a hallmark of like. There's some people that say. That it doesn't matter that Black Panther or Spider-Man died because we know they're going to get sequels. But Tony Stark experienced Peter Parker's death. Like mm-hmm. he 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 went through all the trauma of that happening. Tony Stark doesn't know that there's a Spider-Man sequel in the work, so the kid's going to yeah. come back. So, so also, he's the only person in this movie that holds somebody as they're like dying. Yeah, and maybe because they have that father-son like surrogate relationship. Yeah. Uh, as well, especially, I mean, the film. Lord Master. Yeah, and Tony Stark's first appearance is him talking about having a son and having a dream about it, or having a child. Yeah. Uh, and so. Oh, t- good callback. Yeah. So Tony, good callback. Tony doesn't get to experience any of the joys of the birth of a child. He only gets to experience the pain of losing one. Which is the best part. <laughs> yeah. As, <laughs> as any parent will tell you. God damn, that took a dark turn and I love it. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode. As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, please go subscribe and download all of our past podcasts, regardless of whether or not you're going to listen to them. Uh, feel free to flush your phone in the toilet after you do. Uh, but before you do I that, do that. <laughs> and before you do, also find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that good shit. Um, Twitter, we are on there too. We do some stuff. For this week's Henchman of Comics. Actually, one more thing. Uh, and also, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, Saturday is free comic book day. So be sure to stop by your local comic book support and support them and pick up some free stuff while you're there and maybe pick up a trade or two or issue that you're interested in. Yes, I heard as a special for free comic book day, they're going to have a picture of Peter Parker expiring in Iron Man's arms. <laughs> Boy, that's a bold move to spoil like their, their biggest film. <laughs> right away. Yeah. But for the Hinchman of Comics, I'm Alex Dashback. And I'm sad Tony Stark. Henshin ain't easy. Bye.